Coming up on today's show. It's about being self-led. It's about honoring your intuition. And when you hear that voice in your head, follow it. When you hear that voice in your heart, follow it even more. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter. I know we put in our email address online somewhere because of some free something we want to get, and we know they're going to put us on their mailing list. And man, sometimes it just gets so annoying with how much that person then proceeds to overwhelm you with nonsense. I'm happy to report that I only send out on Wednesday when a new episode of this show comes out. So make sure you are signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop your email address into the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the greater Los Angeles area, my guests are currently working together as artist and producer on an upcoming new album and are up for consideration for the Grammys next February. She has done everything from Sing for Popes to appearing on American Idol to founding her own production company. She has trained in Rome, lived in London and New York, and of course released her own original music all in addition to being an activist. He was a guest on this show more than a year and a half ago on episode 422, and since then has continued working as a vocal coach with Kenny Loggins, Richard Marks, and more, and recently sang at a David Crosby tribute alongside some key members of the music world. His background ranges from work with household names ranging from Elton John to Michael Jackson to pop supergroup Ambrosia. You've been hearing a song he produced from her album released last year, a track called There You Are. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Claire Kadara and Ken Stacy. Thank you, Bruce. Yes, thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Ken, welcome back. Claire, it's great to meet you. Thank you both for taking time to talk with me. Before we get into what the two of you are doing right now and how you came to know each other, plus all the other highlights that we're going to cover, Let's start first by having you just talk about the song that was just playing called There You Are. Claire, I guess you can start since it was on your album last year. There You Are was the the first track on Modern Lullaby written shortly after my firstborn, um, for, shortly after I gave birth to my firstborn, Winston. And I wrote it about three weeks after he was born and... Um, released it a year and four months, year and three months ago, Ken produced that track. 
he really gave life to it. He helped me give life to it. Um, a couple years after my firstborn was, uh, he was two, he was diagnosed with autism. So I've, I've since become an autism activist advocate. Um, and so it really has a story and can really help my, help me find my voice in that story. Yes. Thank you, Claire. That's wonderful. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And, um, I'm so glad that we were able to include it in the collection of songs we did for Modern Lullaby because the rest of the collection are cover tunes, very mindfully and artfully reimagined. Um, but the beautiful thing about There You Are is it really gives a glimpse into Claire's artistry. It's certainly a, a beautiful, heartfelt song that I think anybody could relate to who's a parent for sure. Um, and that beautiful feeling and that gratitude um, when you especially have your first child. And uh, it's just such a gorgeous song. So it was really wonderful that we were able to include it on the collection and kind of give a little glimpse into the future, which we are now uh, in, <laughs> which is writing and producing an original record for Claire. So sadly, I was talking over that song as it was playing. So please explain to the audience what the song is about. And by the way, who was it written by? It was written by myself and uh, a writing partner in New York named David Rosenthal. And it's just a love song to a baby. Mm. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Great way to start the show. Congratulations on the brand new song called The Prayer, which we will be playing at the end of this episode and having the two of you talk about later. But for now, give us a sense for the whole project, meaning the prayer just came out less than two weeks ago on the 15th. When will the album be released that that song will be on? How many songs will be on the album? Is there maybe a theme for the album, perhaps even a title? And what genre would you say that this project falls into? So we don't have all of your answers yet, Bruce. <laughs> um, they are still being confirmed, but we are very, very, very excited about the release of this song, The Prayer. The genre, maybe Ken can speak to. Ken and I have worked together for over two years now, and he was originally my vocal coach, much where he sees Kenny Loggins. And then I quickly realized what an amazing producer he was. So we did, we worked on this modern lullaby album, finished it, had a ton of press, had a lot of success. And I said, listen, we need to write an album together. Mm. You get me, you get my voice. I get you. I get your perspective. We have a lot in common and we finish each other's sentences. Mm. So um, my mission as an artist is to speak my truth to be honest and authentic and to really celebrate that in others, to kind of be a leader in authenticity and self-empowerment. And Ken is the exact same in who he is as, as an artist. I mean, I'll let him speak for himself. And so we really wanted our initial message with this album um, to come out as a single and the prayer was born and it's really a prayer to humanity to be self-empowered and to dissolve their fear. Yeah. I mean, Claire's, you know, outlined how we met and it's been a, it's been a fascinating journey together. I think the moment we began to work, we felt like there was definitely a connection there that we had this very unique creative connection that we were 
kind of like musical brother and sister. We just really resonated with one another. And when Claire first came to me as a vocal student, um, I heard, you know, just an extraordinary instrument. Um, and our work was to fine tune that, really discover, because Claire can do so many things with her voice. She's that kind of vocalist. That's both a blessing and a curse because that can be very challenging when you really want to establish yourself as a vocal artist. What is your sound? Where Where is your lane? How are you going to use your voice distinctively and, and mindfully in a way that expresses your art and your message to the world musically? So we've been very thoughtful about that. And when we did uh, Modern Lullaby, that was our opportunity to really start diving into uh, how Claire would focus and attend to her voice and how she would present it to the world. Mm. And I couldn't be more pleased because what I feel working with Claire, one of the things that I'm really thrilled about as a music and a vocal producer and arranger is the warmth and the depth and the, I'm a big believer in energy and I'm a big believer in tone And I love singers, some of my favorite singers that I've ever listened to throughout my life and have been inspired by, carry something in their tone. There's something there that's emotional, that's visceral, that carries a lifetime of experience um, and just simply resonates with it. And they can't help it. And Claire's that way. And once we really helped Claire discover how to really access that full potential of her voice it was like oh my god listen to this sound this is incredible and it's so refreshing against the backdrop of a lot of homogeneous singing out there where it's really very difficult to tell one artist from Mm. another because of the sound because the song the productions everything's very generic um and so that was another thing that claire and i were very mindful about how are we going to present Claire artistically in this world and is Claire willing and thank God she is uh, to take a road less traveled and recognize that to be that advocate, to be that person that wants to speak to the world and really lend her voice in the, in the songs and her intention to the world. uh, You know, we want to make sure that when the world hears Claire as they're beginning to now um, that it's going to feel very unique um, and that she will stand out, uh, on really embarking and walking down a very unique uh, road that really um, it's kind of like a road less traveled, if you will. So as Claire shared about the prayer, you know, the prayer is the perfect song in my mind to really illustrate where she's going as, as an artist and where we're taking this this body of work. And it is, it is a prayer to humanity. And And when we're working on it, the idea kind of came from you know, the concept of now I lay me down to sleep, you know, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But mm. Claire and I both, uh, you know, have had a lot of experience and exposure to religion. And but we're, I think we're also two very spiritually minded people. And I think that one of the things that I love about the song, the sound of Claire's voice on it, it is so soothing. <laughs> For lack of a better word, even when she goes up into the bigger parts of the song. There's such an invitation through the sound of her voice Mm. to be a part of almost like this chant, this mantra, if you will, of how a person can move through life and mindfully and really want to be a part of a solution and and take responsibility for themselves and how they can bring themselves 
you know, daily to the world and, and, and try to be a better person and make the world a better place. So very excited because we've got a lot of other songs in, in the making. And as Claire said, we're not really totally clear yet about what the record will look like, but okay. we've got two more about ready to, to be uh, out there and we're riding on more. Okay. Okay. And there's something I picked up on in there that both of you kind of touched on, which was in Claire, you said we finish each other's sentences and Ken, it just sounds like this has evolved so quickly and so naturally. I want to make sure I'm getting this correct, that the two of you first met when Claire came to you as a vocal student. Is that correct? So there was no yep. history between the two of you before. That's right. And so, Claire, you had obviously been referred, I'm assuming, to Ken and were just meeting him for the first time, thinking you were just going to someone as a vocal coach. That's correct. So my friend is the cousin of Kenny Gradney the bassist of that legendary band, Little Feet. Yeah. And I called Kenny and I said, hey, brother, do you know anyone? I'm new in town. I had just moved to L.A. from New York. I said, who's the best vocal coach? Because a lot of millennials were sending me 20-year-olds who were hip right now making cool beats who, you know, and I just, I was really interested in someone who was experienced and who could really dig in. And my mom Basically, within a week, my mom got diagnosed with terminal cancer, mm. and I got Ken's number from Kenny, because Kenny asked his crew, and Ken Stacy kept coming up like three times. He said, mm -hmm. I guess you have to call that. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm just dealing with too much with my mom, and maybe I should just put it off. And then I spoke to my mom, and I told her, and she said, you better call him. She said, you better start singing again, because I had largely spent the last 13 plus years uh, building a production agency. And we now have offices uh, remotely in London, throughout the States, New York, Pennsylvania, um, Ohio, Arkansas. We're in LA here. Uh, I guess we're headquartered here, but it really feels like our headquarters are in, are in New York. And I, I built a, a real business um, for many different reasons that I don't know if we need to go into. But I really feel like Ken, when I... I started working with Ken and it just, um, it fed my soul. You know what I mean? It was really, um, I have three kids. Like I said, one special need. I have a husband, I have my business. And I said, I really, I really want to be a star again. I really want to have my voice. Mm. You know, I've had such tremendous opportunities S performing, tremendous performing opportunities kind of always fell in my lap, like my whole life. And I knew that, I had a gift, but I knew I knew it wasn't just because I had a great voice. It was because God or my higher power, whatever I wanted to say, was shining through me, and I was an instrument. And I was missing that, frankly. I was in survival mode when I came to Ken, and we started working. And I quickly knew that we need to started we needed to do my dream of this modern lullaby album, which is covers and this and this there you are track. Um, it's for kids. It's really for parents too. You know, mm -hmm. and it's also for people who don't have kids that want a nice dinner party music. You know, mm. there you are, it's simply a love song. It's mm. a really nice, chill, wound, wind down, you know, have a glass of wine or your mocktail, whatever it is, your CBD at the end of the day and, and chill out. You know, when my kids are spazzing in the car, we put on Modern Lullaby. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, Ken, when you were first on my show, and folks, I'll put a link on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. 
to episode 422 so you can go back and hear that conversation that Ken and I recorded early at last year. Ken, you did spend some time talking then about having been a vocal and performance coach, vocal arranger slash producer, and first-line judge on seasons 10 and 11 of American Idol. I'm sure that over the years, you've seen some people capitalize on having been on Idol and others who you probably thought were quite talented that you felt, wow, gosh, what a missed opportunity. Meaning, we're going to hear that Claire, by all means, had a strong, strong musical foundation and didn't necessarily need American Idol to get herself established. But boy, she sure seized the opportunity to raise her profile further. Am I on the right track here? Yeah, I think you are. Um, you know, things like The Voice and and Idol, um, you know, they, they've they certainly carved their niche into the world of, of um, entertainment. I'm really glad that Claire was able to have that experience. I'm also glad that she was able to move beyond it because when I look at Claire, Claire is and has evolved into the kind of artist that is beyond that kind of profile, so to speak, uh, from my point of view. There is something extraordinarily unique about Claire. And I can say that because from my perspective, obviously, but I feel confident in that perspective because I've been an artist and I've been a, a touring professional and a singing professional. And so I've kind of lived, definitely lived on both sides of the glass, as they say. And I've had the chance to be on the stage with some really extraordinary artists and, and I've had a lot of experience in that. So it's kind of strengthened an antenna in me. And through the years along the way, as a vocal coach, I've had the opportunity to come across aspiring artists, singers, who I felt like, wow, there's something really here. There's there's a tremendous potential here. But it takes more than potential. It takes a lot more. And one of the things that beyond Claire's clear, natural, and, and uh, you know, developed talent is that she started her own business. She has a family. This is, uh, I really love the idea of working with a grown-up, <laughs> really, and somebody who clearly knew how to have a vision and go after that vision, because it, it is a big challenge to be an artist in this world and to find your lane and to find your market and to find your fan base, and we have work to be done. Artistically, creatively, we are absolutely intentionally working our butts off to put out the very best work we can. But that's not enough. So to really dive in this deep with somebody, as I have with Claire, I had to know this was a person who was going to be able to go to the distance in this with me. And clearly she is, and she's demonstrated it in her life, her professional life and her personal life. So that was all incredibly appealing. A lot of young artists who come out of these shows <sighs> – there's just, they don't understand that they're cast members. They don't understand that it's the minute the show's over, everybody's looking the other way towards, you know, the next cast and the next mm -hmm. thing. Claire went, went from that, took, made a nice big splash in the world, and then went, went out into the world and made this incredibly successful business for herself. You know, she didn't sit around just going, well, where's my big break coming from? Come on, you know what I mean? and developing a chip on her shoulder. She lived life. And that life that she's been living through her, her family, her children, her mother, her husband, 
her endeavors and her friends and everything she does, that all comes through her voice. It's like, that's what makes a great artist. A great artist lives. And it's not just about their music. They have to be able to bring life experience into their music, whether they are doing it intentionally or not. It pours through them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is a classic case of, you know, in sales, you always want the customer to say, tell me more. And I feel, Claire, that you have accomplished so much that as you're telling people, oh, yeah, I was not an American Idol, they're interested and they say, tell me more. And it's all these things that Ken's listing off. It's kind of like how in improv, there's the the yes and. So I was on American Idol, yes and, and I did this, yes and, and you have this whole impressive list. And I must say, Claire, in my more than nine and a half years doing this show, I've talked to lots of guests who have been on American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent. Heck, episode 316 guest Allison Porter won The Voice. And I know my audience gets excited hearing those stories, but I also don't think that I've ever had a guest on who has sung for popes. And since it's my show, I'm going to say I would much rather hear about that. Do I have this right that it wasn't a case of, well, I just did it once or twice, meaning it was actually kind of your job? Yeah, you guys are like making me cry over here. Like, seriously, I, <laughs> it's kind of overwhelming. Thank you um, for, you know, just seeing me. And, and it hasn't been an easy road, you know? I think success, whatever it is, it comes with a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifices, you know? Um, I was just away for three and a half days from my family. Um, and my kids are six, four, and two. So, Thank you. Um, I I got a gig at the Vatican. I didn't get into Princeton. My older brother went to Princeton. And it's the only place I wanted to go, which is so naive because there are 20 billion other great universities. My parents um, put all their money into education. And my mother was a professor and she has since passed and an art, um, an artist. So my brother went to Princeton. He's real smart. And um, I wanted to go, didn't get in. I was devastated. My parents were living in Rome. And I was just going to be a rock star and move to New York and figure it out. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to college if I don't go to Princeton. And they were like, stop being ridiculous. Just move to Rome and enroll part-time at Temple University, which is where my mother was teaching classes. And they said, and, and enroll in the local you know, choir, community, reapply to Vanderbilt or wherever. So I did that. And I started dating a very, you know, you just have like one boyfriend that breaks your heart. <laughs> it was such a toxic relationship. I mean, I can't tell you. Um, his dad was the head of the mafia in Rome. And I was like living the fast life. I was going to school part time, but I really wanted to sing. So I enrolled at La Academia Nazionale di Santa Cecilia, and they had a local choir. So soprano, alto, tenor, bass. When you're sitting in choir, in a traditional choir, the tenor section sits next to the soprano section. And I was sitting next to a tenor, and at the end of the first rehearsal, he looked at me and said, what did you do Wednesday mornings? And I'll never forget it. I was 19 years old, and I looked at him, and I said, cure my hangovers. What do you do? <laughs> and he said, well when you were singing, the angels were speaking to me and mm. I'm the maestro of music at Vatican city, um, Raimundo Pereira. And he said, you know, he's just a nice guy. And he said, I want you to sing. 
And I said, where do you, where do you want me to sing? He said, Piazza San Pietro. And I was like, um, isn't that the Vatican, bro? Like what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Wear black to your ankles and don't like show your wrist. So like basically wear like a black robe. I messed it up every single week. Like I would come with like basically mini dresses to the Vatican. <laughs> like I was the hottest mess possible. I can't even, I don't even like know how real I want to get. And like, but it was, I, it was almost the gig that kept me alive. You mm. know what I mean? I think as musicians, we all have them, but I had to show up. I had to be there at like nine thirty-seven. We were told what the Pope was going to say in his benediction. And then we were given some sort of like homily and it was either in um, Italian or Latin We'd learn it. I, I messed it up every single week, but I made it my own. So I did the last six months of John Paul in the first year and a half of Benedict. Mm. And every Wednesday morning that the Pope was in town, he comes out and does like a papal audience. They call it the Benedizione, the Benediction. And like a soprano opens it. And that was me. And there were, you know, I mean, I, it was like 150,000 wow. people every Wednesday. Wow. And my, my mom was a professor there and she was like, what is this? It's just <laughs> so divinely inspired because my pa- I grew up in a meditation ashram, but most of my, most of my parents are Catholic. And the first time I sang, but my parents were like, they were raised so, 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 so Catholic. And the first time I ever sang, I, it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. And so it was just like, it was my, my four grandparents in heaven being like, and here's your Catholic daughter. But, you know, anyway, I I wouldn't say I'm Catholic. You know, I honor all religions, but I'm of the, um, the religion of, of my, my not man-made. I want to make my, my own religion, you know, my own spiritual path. I think everything that you just described though is great for the audience to hear because it was literally on the job training. It was, Baptism by fire, poor choice of words. (laughs) Baptism by fire in the sense of here you were performing in front of 100,000 people, but it comes full circle with what Ken was talking about as it relates to American Idol. You have young people that come out of that that are, for all intents and purposes, looking to go into the pop world. And Ken talked about how great it is to work with someone who's an adult. And I have this picture in my head. I have this image that all things Claire Kadara music are majestic, our elegance, our grace. And it's that type of, I'm going to call that a genre in and of itself. It's not pop music. And a lot of it could stem from exactly what we just heard talked about in terms of all this experience that you had there in the Vatican. And so, Ken, it's interesting that Claire trained in Rome and even studied classical opera in Italy and has sung for popes and heck, even for Prince Harry and for David Beckham and has had residencies at venues in London and New York, yet I'm sure that as part of being in service to the music, you are still respecting her credentials, but you're saying, here's something, let's try it this way instead, which is not unlike the work that you do with Kenny Loggins and Richard Marks, yes? Yeah, and I, I love the way you you framed the lane or the the style or direction of of Claire's music. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that there is a certain elegance about her voice and what we're doing together. The songs, even if the songs carry an intense message, even if the songs get, and, and you know, as we release more people will hear this, you know, there's, there's a very intentional, very 
kind of brave messaging that we're that we're both embarking on here because as adults and as parents and as people who have lived a lot of life uh you know we are both neither of us wants to waste time we see a world that really wants and needs people artists to carry the torch of truth again um and talk about things honestly and and earnestly and the pop world doesn't allow that um and so yeah when we started working together on all of this you know i intentionally veered away from that whole pop teach a lot of young singers that sing in the pop world um but as a producer and a songwriter veered away from that in my career did that a lot earlier on in my career as a writer and part of writing teams and a producer and produced a young artist uh, years ago in that direction. But I found no gratification in it. It mm. was not rewarding spiritually, uh, it personally, creatively. It was interesting. It was an, it was a, you know, an exercise in seeing what I could do and how I could prove it and how I could em- emerge in something like that and evolve and, and compete. But it did not gratify me. Mm. The work that I do and Claire and I do to get together deeply gratifies me. It is it's it's coming from as Claire as the voice and 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 co-writer and artist on this, it gratifies me deeply as a producer and a and a writer and a musician. Um so again, circling back to the whole idol thing, I am so grateful. <laughs> that I would that Claire was able to break free of that because there are a lot of young artists who got stuck there for a long time, got signed to to nineteen productions and got trapped and then did not grow. Um, I always used to tell the kids when I was on Idol because uh, I one of my jobs, many jobs I had on there was to write and arrange and create all the um, mashups we would do mm. on the vote off night. And I would work with the kids all at once. It's kids. I love it. But I would work with them. And I used to say to them, you all got to wake up your cast members, keep your eyes open, ears open, make relationships, but don't be under the illusion that you're the superstar that you want to believe you are. Mm. <laughs> you are you're not, uh, you are a, a star by association but most of you came from nothing and will go back to oblivion if you don't pay attention and learn how to be a professional. Well, most of them don't do that. Um, the few that get signed and end up having big careers, though, those do happen. But I, as we know, most don't ever, we don't really ever hear from them again. Their careers never really go to the places they can. Claire's future as an artist is absolutely wide open. And it's so fun every time Claire and I do interviews like this, because Claire, every time you go deeper into your story, I get to learn more about you (laughs) that I didn't know. And it just reinforces why we connect and it reinforces why I believe in you so much, because it requires life. It requires living. It requires getting your heart broken. It requires being pulled down to your knees. It requires standing, learning how to stand in front of 100,000 people and not shy away. It requires knowing how to hold that space and feel comfort in that. And then through that, be able to carry your light. And so, you know, this is, again, one of the reasons why 
I believe that the universe brought Claire and I mm. into each other's lives. So nicely so. said. So nicely said. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the greater Los Angeles area by singer, recording artist, activist, and production company founder Claire Kadara and vocalist, songwriter, guitar player, producer, vocal arranger, artist, mentor, and vocal coach Ken Stacy. Let's do ladies first here. Visit Claire's official website at clairecadara.com. And I will put a link to that on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Her new single, The Prayer, was just released on the 15th. Purchase the song from Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. Do check out her back catalog as well. Yes, she is on Spotify, and do give her a follow there, but don't just stream the song. On clairecadara.com, you will see links for YouTube and Instagram Plus, she is on Facebook as well. Coming up, I will be asking her about her production company, which you'll also find a link to on her website, kenstacy.com. I'm going to have a link to that, too, on the show page for this episode on my podcast website. And that is where you want to start for more information on what you're hearing him talk about on this episode, plus so much more that he does, including coaching. There are links on Ken's website to engage with him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I strongly, strongly recommend you go back and hear what I called a masterclass that he gave back on episode 422 when he was a guest on this show more than a year and a half ago. Today, I was sitting at my desk working, and I heard a notification on my phone, and I looked over to see that somebody was requesting that I go live on the OWL app. Don't be misled here. Go live on that app is not the same as when someone goes live on, say, Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or Facebook. What this meant was that someone on there wanted to meet me, wanted to talk to me, wanted to connect with me. So I right away put myself live, and then that person gets notified that I did so so that they can then call me through the app. Even though these are voice calls, they happen through the app. So you're not giving out your phone number, which helps you maintain a level of privacy. But how cool is that, though? You see someone on OWL that you think, wow, I want to connect with him or with her, and you call them, and the fact that they're on the app in the first place means that they want to get calls. I've made some really great connections through OWL, and I know you will too. Call me as your first call if you're nervous about using it and want to test drive it. On my podcast website, nhte.net, tap or click anywhere that it says home, and then read the article I have posted there under the headline, Help now a phone um, app call away to learn more about OWL. I've also got links in there for you to download the app for free from either the App Store or Google Play. Plus, you will see my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting up the app on your phone. Get on OWL and start on your way to making great new connections for your career. Claire, I've teased it a couple of times now. You started to touch on it earlier, but share with the audience about Star Rock Productions and what that is. Now, 11 years old, by the way. Oh, boy. Is it 11? I guess it's 11. Um, so I started Star Rock. I, I got a booking agent after American Idol. I moved to New York. I started singing in weddings. And I would sing in anthems. I would sing anywhere I was booked. I would sing. I was just singing up a storm. And um, I quickly realized that my booking agent was taking over 50% of mm. what I was bringing in. And not only was he taking 50%, you know, all is fair in love and war, I guess, right? Like, I was bringing in all of the leads. 
and I would be friends. I became friends with all the clients and he would pay me to kind of run his company and to take people out to lunch. It was a company called Elan Artists. They're still wildly famous and successful today. And Josh is a very talented guy. I felt like I needed space in my creative life in my artistic life. And I had just met my husband, Greg, and I wanted to start my own thing. Josh and I split ways and I did. And I really did it under the guidance of my husband, who's a businessman. He was on his 13th year of being an investment banker in Europe. He was in London at the time I was in New York. I moved to London after being in New York to be with him. Then we moved back to New York to take over his family business, which is in real estate. And now we're in LA. But um, I really had the guidance, uh, his guidance. And he always laughs because he's like, I had nothing to do with it. I'm like, you <laughs> told me what to do and I did it. And he was, he, he always jokes, there's an, there's an ocean between saying and doing. But, you know, hmm. kids are expensive. Life is expensive. My mother was um, the breadwinner in our family, the consistent breadwinner. And she... The idea that I would wasn't going to work, there was no idea. We were all going to kind of work, you know, um, mm -hmm. women's rights and equal pay. It's like almost laughable for me today because my mom a generation ago was doing that and she wasn't making a thing of it. She was just kind of doing it. Mm -hmm. So my example, we all knew, okay, I, I entered the music business too. And as you guys know, I mean, it's pretty crazy to make money, you know, the, the amount of hustle it's a wild, wild west. There aren't a lot of nice people um, or people. People are really nice, actually. They just don't say what they mean and mean what they say. So I thought I'm going to just yeah, start my own business. So I did. And I started to book myself. And then I started to book my friends. And then my friends started to work for me. And then now I have a company. Mm. <laughs> Basically, how it went. And, you know. I have somebody helping me with payroll. I have somebody, I'm really not good. I am very disorganized. <laughs> I had somebody build an app for us internally. Um, you know, I pay people pretty well. We all work remotely, so I don't have to pour money into um, an office. I can pour money into my community and things blossom. I love people. I love clients. I love music. I love events. Crest come, came for us and they didn't want to pay Nora Jones her catalog. So we got Empire Sound in the recording studio and we all made money, you know? Mm. So it's um, it's been a blessing to have this community of artists um, and events for sure. It's also been a weight to bear as I spend time doing Star Rock and not on my own artistic career. And it's not because I'm not grateful. It's just because I'm meant to sing. I meant to be on stage. And I think losing my mom really made that clear. I will always have Star Rock. I will always love Star Rock and cherish it. It's essentially me. Somebody came to me in COVID and offered to buy it. Mm. And I thought to myself, no, I don't. I think it's worth a lot more because, you know, everyone, everyone's real estate and company is worth a lot more to them mm -hmm. than anybody else, right? I thought, nah, I'm not going to do that. Also, I want to give it to Winston or somebody one day, or maybe nobody wants it, but at least it's still mine. Mm, you wow. know? So, yeah, you're building, yeah. A, you're building a legacy, and I love the part that you said that your mom was setting that example for you, and she wasn't waving the 
the women's rights and equal pay banner. She was just doing it and leading by example. And so there you are all these years later, kind of honoring what she did by building this legacy with Star Rock Productions that you're not willing to let go of. And I don't blame you. And then, Ken, I know you are just head over heels about the project that you and Claire are currently working on. But when you were last on the show, you shared about a few artists you were working with. One was Claire, but another was Anastasia. Plus, you had even mentioned Doug Petty. Is there a name or two that you're comfortable talking about that you've been working with in the last year and a half since the last interview that you and I recorded? Well, to be quite frank with you, it's been Claire. <laughs> I mean, I, as a vocal coach, I am coaching a lot of different people. Kenny, Richard Marks. I'm making more and more inroads up in the Santa Barbara area. There are a lot of really talented people up there. So I'm I'm expanding what I'm doing as a coach, but I'm also very particular. You know, it's I'm not your typical coach that's got, you know, 30 clients a day and it's it's a turnstile. I'm very particular about who I work with and why I work with them. And I work with people at all different levels. So, but in terms of any particular artist. And you mentioned Doug Petty. Doug is a very, very dear friend of mine. And for people to just be aware, he tours with uh, Tears for Fears. He is an incredible producer in himself, fabulous uh, keyboard player and arranger and B3 player. And, and he and I have partnered on many, many projects together in the past. He co-produced the Anastasia record with me. Incredibly proud of that record. And he played uh he's all over modern lullaby oh. and just fabulous yeah and so whenever i get the opportunity to work live or in the studio with doug i always will he's also one of the kindest and sweetest people you'll ever meet so mm. but this has been my as far as a creative outlet uh as a as a producer songwriter that kind of thing this is where right now i'm putting my emphasis and like with claire claire has a very big complex life as I do. I have a son who's now in his second year of college. I have a stepson who's finishing high school and getting ready for college, a wife who's a a social worker at the VA. We're building, you know, our future together and raising our boys. I have a lot of different clients and a lot of different things that I do and a lot of hats that I wear creatively and personally. And it's a lot. And, you know, you have to be very mindful about where you're going to put your energies and, to be frank with you, uh, what Claire and I are doing together, I mean, we're creative partners. We have we just started our own uh, our own company, as a matter of fact, our own LLC, ah. uh, because I think we both see tremendous future potential on what we'll be doing together. I don't think either of us has an absolute, you know, concrete vision of what that will be. I think a lot of it has to do with showing up doing what we're doing now is laying the groundwork for future opportunities that I, I firmly believe that when you uh, show up and bring your best efforts and you're mindful, you're thoughtful, you hold on to your aspirations, you continue to work towards them. As John Lennon said, life is what happens while you're busy making plans, you know, or, (laughs) or as they say, you want to make God laugh, you know, have your own plan. I do believe that the universe continues. The universe brought Claire and I together and every aspect of our development in our friendship and our creative relationship to me has in many ways continues to unfold. So I'm excited about the future. And right now, this is where I'm really putting my emphasis as a, as a producer and and songwriter. Yeah, that all makes sense when you do factor in the personal part of 
the work-life balance that we all hear so much about. Claire, you are a singer, you're a recording artist, you're a wife, you're a mom, and I think I mentioned at least once you started to go there. I do want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to talk about the work that you do as an activist. Can you share a little bit more with the audience about that role? Yeah, I think I was put on this earth to be um, a mother for sure and a mother to Winston, all my children. They all have special needs, if you will. Um, Not actually, but, um, you know, we all do, right? I knew early on that he was special and then he got the diagnosis of autism and I thought, hmm, I'm going to be, should I be ashamed? Should I be excited that he has a different mind? you know, it's hard. You just feel lonely. You feel isolated. So in this journey, it's really been a spiritual journey. Like most things in my life, I've, I've realized it's a gift and I wouldn't take it away. I've really looked deep into humanity and how we function over the last 70,000 years. Humanity has only had inventions done by people on the autism spectrum, the wheel, the light bulb, computers, phones. It turns out my brother is also on the autism spectrum. So is his son and apples don't fall far. So I'm here to, I have a voice and I have wherewithal. So I need to speak out and release the shame that is instilled in pop culture. It's instilled everywhere about special needs as a, as a parent. I don't know if you're a parent, Bruce, but um, you don't really want to hear the word special needs. It's a dirty word. And it doesn't have to be if given the right support. I have met kids on the spectrum with an inner life that would leave you so astounded. I really think I'm here to celebrate autism. And so I do a lot of work with different charities, raising money, speaking in the media, television. I do a lot of partnerships, brand partnerships with other companies, digital companies that help autism families find providers and such. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to chat and support. That's so wonderful. I can hear your heart in that. And I love the perspective that you're able to bring to it. And I think that there's so much more that needed because of exactly what you said, the labels that society wants to put on it, the picture, the face of it. And it's not that at all. And, it's, and especially when you ask someone, are you a parent yourself? I think that's almost a rhetorical question. And that in itself, I think, is going to continue to break down the barriers that need to be broken down. God bless you for the work that you're doing that way. Ken, I know that the audience would be upset if I didn't bring up Kenny Loggins and Richard Mark. So <laughs> since you work as the vocal coach for the two of them, I'm curious, do you pop in at their shows at all to make sure they're all right? See if you can lend anything on site? I know that Kenny has been touring a lot, so maybe it would just be if he was in the area. And same thing with Richard. I know that on October 12th, he'll be down in San Diego with special guest John Waite, actually, because I guess yeah. I'm picturing baseball and a pitching coach talking to the starting pitcher in the clubhouse right before they go out to start the game. Is that the case for you or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenny and I have worked intensively together over the last couple of years. Um, I started with him in fall of 2020. When Kenny and I first started working together, he was in trouble. And thank the universe that we were intended to work together because it is, I think, has been a mutually rewarding relationship for both of us in so many different ways. So as far as what it looks like 
with Kenny, there were times when I was with him five days a week. Um, mm. There were some times when I was making the drive to Santa Barbara multiple times during the week. A lot of what we do now is on Zoom, but having that one-on-one personally in person really allows us to kind of go the extra distance in work that we're doing. For those who have been blessed enough to see him in these last couple of years as he winds up his touring career, it is pretty astounding. He is, you know, arguably one of the finest vocalists that has ever existed in popular music. Um, When we think of Kenny Loggins, we think of a male vocalist whose range seems literally endless and who could really do anything he wanted with his voice, aside from being a spectacular songwriter and artist and just, you know, one of the great legends and gifts to music. But he was really having a very difficult time. And it was heartbreaking to see somebody who for decades was able to walk through his career and his life with such command and confidence. And when I met him, he was about 72. And now imagine that 72 years old, right? (laughs) It's funny to even say the words, say the number. But people would say, well, of course he was struggling. He was 72 years old. It's like, (laughs) no, you don't understand that's not a foregone conclusion. Mm. The reason so many legacy artists struggle later on in their careers is that they're wealthy, they're successful, they can kind of just give you what they've got and the audience makes up the difference. The audience fills in the gap and just mm. loves on them. And, oh, they're fabulous and it brings back those memories and they're, it's good enough. It's good enough. Mm. Until you go to see somebody like Kenny, who who people will say, he sounds as good or better <laughs> than he did <laughs> earlier in his career. And I would say, because, and this alludes to what I was talking about earlier regarding Claire, Kenny has lived a lifetime and he just released a book and a documentary is coming out. There is so much about Kenny's life and his experiences that pours through his voice, his wisdom. So, yeah, in his 20s, in his 30s, in his 40s, was he putting out incredible music? And was he singing in ways that just blew people's minds? Absolutely. But he didn't have the life yet that he has today. Mm -hmm. And that all moves through his voice. So when you hear his voice today, it's not just a sound. Although because he's worked so hard with me, he is able to access his voice in ways now that that are bringing it all back out. Mm-hmm. But now it's infused with a man who is 70, what, 76 years old, 76 years of life, of triumph, of tragedy, of success, of failure, of growth, of humanity. And that all and, and now his humility and gratitude for where he is now it all comes pouring through his voice so that is that's been an incredible journey for me richard and i are the same age we were coming up at the same time playing in the same clubs before (laughs) he broke out here shared some of the same band members Mm. and now we know richard to be you know one of the biggest selling recording artists of all time and he's still putting out new music and you know it's it's a different kind of thing richard being younger Richard came to me through Kenny uh, feeling like, you know what, I can still get out there and do it, but something is shrinking. Mm. Something is starting. It's getting harder. And and I want to really start planting the seeds now so that for the next 10, 15, 20 years, because 
he's got so much to continue to give, <laughs> you know, as a creative. And it would be a shame for him to follow the path that so many artists do as they've already had these huge, gigantic careers. They kind of float on their laurels. Well, Richard's not one of them. And neither is Kenny. And I have mad, 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 mad respect for that. And how? Um, when I was taught this technique many, 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 many years ago before my career really took off, I remember hearing a tape of a gentleman named Vladimir Shustrov, who brought, who was one of the key figures bringing Bel Canto over from Europe to the United States. And uh, a wonderful teacher, Helen McComas, was coaching me at the time. And she played me this cassette tape, and I heard this unbelievably beautiful voice. I'm like, what is that? And she says, yeah, he's incredible. And at that time, he was 63. And I instantly mm. said, that's what I want. Mm. Because no matter where this career takes me, and it's a long and winding road, as Paul McCartney says, we never know. <laughs> I want to know that my voice is going to be there to carry me. Mm. And Bel Canto has been there for me. And, and then I, not having a teacher who could then show me how to bridge bel canto to contemporary singing had to do that on my own and so that has informed me as a professional singer who did front ambrosia sing with michael sing with elton and all these things then be able to learn how to codify that into a teaching method that allows me to work with somebody like claire who has had training in bel canto mm. over in europe how do you then morph that and bring that forward into a contemporary voice? Well, that's why Kenny is singing his ass off now. That's why Richard, over last summer, had this incredibly grueling tour over in Australia and Europe and was texting me and saying, Ken, I'm physically exhausted, but my voice feels like I could sing another three hours after every show. Wow. It's like he's never been stronger. Wow. Now, imagine that saying at his 60s. You would think, oh, well, how could you say that when you sang all those years in your, you know, earlier life having this monstrous career? It was far more challenging for them back then mm. in many ways. They didn't have the knowledge of this technique. And so now at this age in their lives and their careers and their creative energy, they are able to be able to stand in that strength and that mojo. I mean, it's just incredible. So, you know, with Richard, it's we see each other maybe a, a couple times a month uh, with Kenny. I'm still very much a part of that whole. I see him probably three times a week, either through Zoom or in person when he's out on the road, which he is right now. I warm him up a couple times during mm. the day okay. pre-show when Richard's going to be down in San Diego. I'm going to be there and I'm going to that'll be the first time warming him up face to face prior to a show. Uh, but I do that all the time with Kenny, and I'll be there with Kenny at the Bowl show in November when he does his final show and all mm, that stuff. Wow, wow, wow. As we get ready to wind things down, Claire, I wonder if there will be one or more music videos for a song or multiple songs from this project that the two of you are working on. And Ken, would you be involved in anything video-wise that Claire does? Maybe you sing on one or more songs and would be shown singing with her? All of these things are are in the works and we're yes. super excited to share them when that when we have further confirmed details yes awesome. so uh, we are we, it's funny you brought that up because we started talking about that just the other day <laughs> and then where where necessary as a producer when i feel that it serves the song we have a song called uh when the lie tells the truth and that one's almost done it's almost ready to be out we're fine-tuning the mix in that situation i felt that it was beneficial to lend my voice 
to Claire's. We we did all the background arranging and stacks with Claire's voice. And then I felt that it just added a little bit of extra something to add there. But in the prayer, it's all Claire. So I, I don't put my voice on just to put it on. I put it on only when I feel that it that it suits and is appropriate to what we're working on. But as far as the videos are concerned, yeah, we will definitely be working on all that because as we know, that's an essential part of music now and and presenting artists to the world. So. What, a, what a great title. What a great title, When the Lie Tells the Truth. Oh, I yeah. It. I love it. <laughs> We're pretty excited about that. It's a pretty powerful song, yeah. <laughs> We're going to close with the brand new single just released on the 15th called The Prayer. Claire, Ken, before I let the two of you go, you talked about it earlier, but please, if you would, just share more with the audience first all about this song, if you would, please. The prayer is about self-empowerment. It's about being self-led. It's about honoring your intuition. And when you hear that voice in your head, follow it. When you hear that voice in your heart, follow it even more. Absolutely. I think that sums it up very well. And it is about, you know, we we all as parents and people in the world look at everything that's going on. And there's a lot going on. The world is in a very dynamic and fluctuating moment and it's it can be scary and overwhelming and we often think about well who's going to make the difference you know they they, oh don't worry they'll make it better (laughs) who are they (laughs) and i think in this song claire and i uh, are putting forth an intention that each of us has a responsibility and as parents you know we want to feel on a daily basis that we're in our own way doing something to bring about change. And I think one of the best ways you can do that is to mindfully commit yourself to being the best version of yourself every day you can. And what better way to do that? But as we all lay down to sleep, may faith be what our souls take deep into our slumber, into our wake, a better world may our actions make. I mean, that's the opening line, and that's really what it's about. It's an intention on how each of us is going to bring ourselves to the world and not wait for somebody else to tell us how to make it a better world. It's in us. The truth and the way forward is all already in each of us. And we simply have to get in there and be willing to do the work and make ourselves available. As Claire said, to hear it, you got to be able to hear it. Claire, at the beginning of this show, you said that the song that I played in the intro, There You Are, that you co-wrote that with someone else. I'm going to be very surprised if you tell me that the prayer was not written by you and Ken. The prayer was written by me and Ken, mostly Ken. I I was giving Ken themes a few months ago, and then he would kind of run with it. And songs really flow out of Ken in a way that they don't with me. The performance really flows out of me. I'm definitely born to be on a stage. And this song kind of flew out of him. And then we sat with it and we changed a little phrasing. We changed a little pronouns. We added some swag, you know, (laughs) but um, yeah, I mean, it was really Ken and it's, it's, uh, it's us together, you know? Yep. It is us together. Well, congratulations to both of you on the song and we'll be very excited to see what there is to follow this one. But for now, Enjoy the prayer. Thank you both so much for your time and coming on Now Here's This Entertainment. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Bruce. It was such an honor. Bruce, thank you. It was wonderful to be back on your show again. And yes, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting the arts and artists and music. It makes all the difference in the world. My pleasure. My pleasure. 
With that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, recording artist, activist, and production company founder Claire Kadara and vocalist, songwriter, guitar player, producer, vocal arranger, artist mentor, and vocal coach Ken Stacy. As I mentioned earlier, do visit each of their websites and engage with them on social media. I will have links to clairecadara.com and kenstacy.com on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. You are about to hear the new single, The Prayer, which is now available. Go download it from Apple Music or other online digital music retailers and keep up with Claire online as she and Ken continue working towards the album you heard talked about on this episode. I followed Claire on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm sure she would appreciate you doing the same. Remember to give her a follow on Spotify as well. Plus, check out her official YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button there. Again, as you will see on his website, Ken is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let both he and Claire know that you heard them and their music on Now Hear This Entertainment. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Claire and Ken and I. And I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine and a half years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 502. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Claire Kadara. This is the one she and Ken just talked about. It's called The Prayer. I-